You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, the Bucks have the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. Um, we will get to that in a moment. Uh, but first, we need to kind of break down some of the things that have happened roster-wise on this Bucks roster in the last couple days, kind of Thursday, Friday, just heading into the weekend, um, all since, like in those four days, a bunch of stuff happened, uh, and we weren't really able to take the time to talk about it yesterday, which I think makes sense because the game recaps were kind of more important, Um, but taking a look at the Bucks roster, um, I guess we'll start with Mirza Toledovic. Um, He was injured, he'd had knee surgery, and was already on the on the IR, I, I just on the injured list, excuse me, and it was kind of weird, because last week, Matt Velasquez and I talked to him on Monday, and when we talked with him, like, he was, he was super upbeat, he was cracking jokes, and it, it was just generally a, a very enjoyable conversation, like, he gave us, I don't know, like, eight minutes, and normally that's longer than you talk to players and he was just kind of chopping it up and having a good time and it was really it was really nice and cool and then a couple days later you hear that he has pulmonary emboli um, which is blood clots in the lungs Um, and obviously anything in your lungs can be really dangerous but um, if a clot would be large enough and stops blood flow to the lung it could be deadly. So um, it's a very serious condition, a very dangerous condition. And it, it was just kind of sad to hear that that would, would be the case. And uh, I, I don't know. Like It's one of those moments where instead of thinking about, is Mirza going to be back in two weeks? Is Mirza going to be back in a month? Like None of that really seemed to matter. Like It was just, is Mirza going to be okay? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we talked about it yesterday, right? I mean, it's it's one thing to kind of be like, you know, thinking about like, oh, well, who's going to give Jabari or sorry, who's going to give Giannis uh, some minutes on the bench? Who can spell them? You know, who can help the Bucks increase their three point numbers? Because we've been talked about that number going down. Um, you know, this is somebody's livelihood, right, and somebody's life that we're talking about, yep. um, which which kind of puts a whole different light on it and. Yeah, on the one hand, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if it's if it's good news or bad news that that Mears has had this before a few years ago. Um, you know, it's scary that that Chris Bosh obviously had blood clots in his lungs and is not playing basketball anymore. Yeah. Um, and and he may one day come back, but the Miami Heat, you know, opted to basically have him medically retire, waived him um, for cap relief, and. Um, you know, I had a couple people ask, ask about that and I was a little torn kind of as soon as the news came out to be immediately talking about capital implications of, you know, somebody's livelihood being taken away from them. But, um, 
it, certainly, you know, the, this does leave the Bucks in, in a tough spot as far as, obviously, their forward depth. We talked about how big of a deal it is that they still continue to get nothing out of DJ Wilson, or at least they're not even, you know, Jason Kidd is not even trying to get anything yeah. out of DJ Wilson. Um, and really, you know, this, I think, puts even more of an emphasis on on the importance of Jabari Parker returning and giving them uh, depth at the combo forward spot for for multiple reasons. Obviously, Jabari and, and his talent would, you know, be a big uh, boost, you know, if he can come back to anything close to what we're used to seeing. Um, but that's, you know, despite uh, news today that he was uh, being officially sent to the Wisconsin herd, that was really just so he could practice with them while they were in Milwaukee this week. No, uh, you know, come back to a, a G League game is imminent or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it leaves the Bucks in a difficult spot. Um, I think, you know, to kind of at least give some sense on the cap side. I, I don't, I don't think there is a a short term thing necessarily we're going to see here as far as the Bucks trying to get um, uh, necessarily a, a medical, um, you know, hardship sort of situation. Uh, either because they have multiple guys that, you know, if you have four guys out for, I think, three-plus games, you can apply to get uh, basically an extra roster spot and ability to sign somebody. Um, you know, I think the good news was Tony Snell and Matthew Delvadova and Jet all took part in practice today. So uh, certainly if if a couple of those guys come back, then then the kind of four guys out thing no longer becomes relevant. And as far as, you know, Mirza being potentially ruled out for the season, we're not there yet. Um, you know, again, I don't want to kind of get ahead of anything else, but I kind of look at it in sort of, you know, next steps, right? Like it seems like we're not going to know for a little while, uh, if Mirza is indeed out for the season, uh, or, or more beyond that. But, um, even if he was out for, for us, ruled out for the season, I mean, they could potentially get some kind of, um, exception, but to be honest, I mean, you'd still have to clear a roster spot from, from what I recall seeing in the CBA FAQ, which is, of course, my Bible on this stuff. And so I, I don't know how helpful that is. I mean, you know, the Bucks do have a trade exception. They do have, I think, some money left in, uh, you know, their, this, another exception for, for signing a guy if they did have a roster spot, which obviously we'll talk about the two-way stuff here in a moment. So um, there's kind of a bunch of different flavors. I don't know if there's anything with the Mirza situation that is really going to be imminent. Um, but probably the, the you know, biggest upshot thing would be if, you know, God forbid, Mirza is ruled to, to have to retire, right? If his yeah. career is, is ended by this, and if that's something that we find out, you know, going into next season, um, the Bucks could, you know, have him declare basically a medical retirement. And, um, you know, again, Mirza would still get paid, but they could have his uh, remainder of his salary, which would be one year and uh, what, around $10.5 million, um, potentially wiped off their books for, for next season, which has huge ramifications for a Bucks team that obviously has had a lot of issues with salary flexibility. But again, I'm, I kind of hesitate to even bring this up because I don't want to sitting around rooting for Mirza Toledovich to be, to have his career ended so that the Bucks can get cap relief. Um, but obviously if it comes to that, um, there would be an upshot there and it would give the Bucks more flexibility strictly from a cap perspective. So Anyway, you know, again, I'm not going to try to play doctor. I don't think you will either. Um, you know, you just sort of hope for for Mirza's sake that uh, he shows improvement and that he can return from this like he returned from uh, from this the first time he had it. But obviously, you you never want to take anything for granted with these types of situations. Yeah, and I, and I know I've read something that the more times something like this occurs, the more dangerous it can be um, with this. So, pretty much, my my. Uh, my conclusion here is hopes, thoughts, prayers, 
whatever it is that you do for someone in a tough spot, send those Mirza's way because uh, this is something that could very likely or very, very possibly take away his livelihood, and, and that just isn't something uh, you want to see. If that day comes, um, I'm sure we can break down the cap implications and exactly how that will affect the Bucks going forward. But for now, um, you know, you just have to kind of hope for the best for Mirza and, and hope that this doesn't end his career because um, it, it can be something that is very, very serious. So um, hoping the best for him. Now, um, moving on to other things on the roster, um, let's talk about Jabari Parker real quick. You mentioned the fact that uh, he was, oh, what's the terminology, recalled to the Wisconsin herd uh, today, and again, I think a lot of people got very excited uh, when they saw that he was assigned to the Wisconsin herd, and well, he's just there for practice. Uh, The herd are practicing in Milwaukee for the next two days. Um, today, I think it was in the afternoon after uh, the Bucks had practiced in the morning, and I would assume probably something similar tomorrow after the Bucks have shoot around in the morning, and then uh, the herd can have practice in the afternoon. He's not playing with them on Wednesday. There are no plans of that. Um, I, I feel like every time we bring up Jabari Parker, uh, everyone wants to ask, "Oh, that means he's going to be playing in January." I don't know. The return date is February, like it's always been, and there's just no way that the Bucks change that. <laughs> there's nothing to be gained from saying Jabari Parker will be back earlier than expected. That doesn't help anyone. All it does is put pressure on Jabari uh, to come back earlier. So I don't think we will ever hear that the return date has been moved up until the day we hear, oh, Jabari Parker's in the lineup tonight. Oh. Okay, sounds good. Um, I, I would assume it'll be something like that that happens that quickly, that either a day or two before you'll just kind of hear that Jabari Parker is going to play tonight, and that'll be how it is. So um, obviously it's good that he can practice. He has been practicing with the team for the last week or so. Um, now he's getting to practice with the G League team while they're in town. Um, and really what you're always looking for in those situations is just building up stamina, being able to go multiple days in a row, being able to do more, being able to handle more contact, being able to handle more live game play. So um, the closer and closer you can get to that, obviously, the more he's progressing. But um, I think seeing just just seeing Jabari Parker something on the official Bucks Twitter account kind of lifts everyone up and gets everyone excited. But um, I, I don't think this is much more than just kind of the next step in the process. Yeah. And I, kind of an interesting question. So when, you know, let's fast forward a month. Um, it's late January or maybe it's February, whatever it is. And Jabari Parker, the, the team determines that he's ready, ready to play. competitive oh, give, give me 20 minutes of him and Oshkosh. Give me 20 oh, minutes of Jabari Parker and Oshkosh. Cause he will score all of the points in the G league game. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of trying to think through like, would that make any sense? Does it make any sense to even have Jabari Parker play in a game in Oshkosh when we've established that the Bucks have no depth at the backup <laughs> forward spots? And he would he would clearly I mean again I don't think he's going to st- I don't know if he I don't I, I would I would guess I don't have a super strong opinion on this but I would guess that he would not start the rest of the season probably uh, coming back 
Um, but he's clearly going to have a, a, an obvious role. And so um, I guess the question is, I mean, you know, is there really any value in him um, getting, you know, playing at all in Oshkosh when, you know, again, I, and again, I don't want to expect that he's going to come back and immediately be Jabari Parker, but, you know, he's going to, he's not going to be DeAndre. I don't think he's going to be DeAndre Liggins when he comes back. Um, and <laughs> if he is, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and so i mean i don't know because they're kind of like two dimensions right like i mean you, you have a guy go to the Myers to like rehab if a he needs to like i don't know if playing in an nba game like somehow is riskier than playing in a g league game but mm. i mean i don't i don't really foresee anything like that and, and otherwise if he's not going to be of any use in you know, for the, in the NBA until he regains like some conditioning or, you know, timing or whatever it might be. And you'd rather have him do that in the minors. And again, I mean, we saw Jabari struggle and, and look pretty, you know, inconsistent when he came back from his first ACL. Yep. But I, I don't know. I mean, is that really a, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we've seen good players go, go and do kind of these like one game rehab stint type things, but I'm, I'm not sure if it really like, makes that big of a difference for Jabari. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, teams have used it that way before. Like, we have seen teams use it as a way to give them, like, that kind of rehab start, you might want to call it. I don't know yeah. a good way to kind of call it that, but um, just go down to the G League team and play in, in, a, in a real game situation and just kind of go through that. But like you said, I... I don't really understand what would be better about that as opposed to an NBA game. Uh, is it like a final test that he would have to pass or, or something like that? And he's already done it where he's just came back right to uh, the NBA squad. Obviously, they didn't kind of have the affiliation where they could have done this before. But uh, to me, I, I don't know if I would understand it. I will say, though, that I'm hoping for it because I can't... His points per 36 in a G League game could be just astronomical, even if he only plays 10 minutes. I mean, he could put up some crazy numbers. So just for that little bit, I kind of want to see it, but ultimately I don't know if it makes any sense at all. Yeah, it would be cool, uh, you know, for, for the folks in Oshkosh who've been, you know, doing showing out really well for the... Yeah. Uh, for the herd um, to to get a, a chance to see Jabari Parker, um, but but yeah, how, I mean, how well a, would a Jabari Parker herd jersey sell? I, that, that's fun. That's like a, fun it's, idea, like a, yeah. it's like a cool kind of quirky collectors jersey. Uh, collectors yeah. item. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that might be fun. So yeah, we'll see. But um, again, I don't I don't want to say this is large news at all with Jabari because I think it's it's pretty minor um, as far as his comeback and where he is and how close that he is. Um, all right, let's move to the final bit of news before we do our Cavaliers preview. Um, we need to talk a little bit about GP2 getting waived once his 45 days were up. Again, with those two-way contracts, once those 45 days are up, you have a couple of options. One, you could just send that guy back to the G League team, and have him play there for the rest of the year. Um, two, you can sign him to an NBA contract. Obviously, the Bucks don't really have any roster spots to do that right now. Um, they would have the non-guaranteed of DeAndre Liggins that they could have waived uh, to sign him, um, or they could have dropped Rashad Vaughn, 
or Jason Terry or, or someone else, but uh, they opted not to go for that, and they opted for option number three, which was to release GP2. Um, they did that, and then officially signed uh, Sean Kilpatrick to a two-way contract today, and we were talking a little bit last night, I think it was last night, about whether or not Kilpatrick would be um, eligible for one, um, and now it is clear that if you are in your fourth year of NBA experience, NBA play, you can still be signed to a G League contract, because there's some weird stuff going on with the CBA FAQ, the G League site, and some of the G League FAQs going around that just all didn't match up. But now that we now we know. So you can be in your fourth year of an NBA play um, and get signed to a G League contract, which is what they did with Sean Kilpatrick. Um, immediate thoughts? Uh, I'm curious, where do you want to go uh, with this topic? Yeah, and, and the, the, we've been, you know, this has been very much a figure it out as we go type thing with these two-way contracts and you know I remember us trying to figure this out when James Young was on the camp roster and figuring out can can James Young be signed to a two-way contract can Kendall Marshall be signed to a two-way contract like we were trying to figure out all of that so yeah right and and um I I think this this is Kilpatrick's fourth season if James Young plays in the NBA this year, it will be his fourth season. So therefore, those guys were eligible. I think Kendall Marshall had already previously paid, played four years, I want to say. Yep. So that's why he was not eligible for a two-way contract. Not not that the Bucks necessarily would have given him one anyway. Or um, he would have accepted it. Who knows? Yeah, you know what right. Um, so interesting, just sort of all this, um, you know, just trying to decipher this stuff. And I, I was also, I had originally thought, and you, you guys may have heard it, heard me say this, and and I was just, I, I just wasn't clear on the rule. I, I had originally, when I was hearing, um, when I saw about the, you know, the the pro, basically, if you sign guys uh, into the season on a two way, it's prorated. I had understood that as saying that basically, like, if you use up days on another two-way that you can't just then you know start over and reset the clock and that that wasn't that wasn't correct in the sense that it's prorated based on the number of like days left in the season so that's why you know since we're essentially a third of the way through the year um the number of days you know that are that will be left on Kilpatrick's deal are essentially a third uh you know, basically a third of that 45 days are taken off. So I think it says what Bobby Mark said, 29 days. So, um, so basically like the, the upside for the bucks is they're kind of gaming the system here in the sense that, um, they get, you know, essentially almost a full 45, you know, I mean, I don't know how many days Peyton technically missed. We could probably calculate that pretty quickly. Um, but they really didn't like try to game the system much with Gary Payton. It's not like they were shipping him up and down constantly in order to preserve his NBA eligibility. They, you know, I think we said he only played three games with the herd, and in part because of you know the injuries, um, he just pretty much spent the rest of the season seemingly in Milwaukee. And um, you know, perhaps perhaps Bucks the Bucks front office was also kind of figuring like, well, whatever, we're just going to have this guy up here, and then you know, the sooner he's up. I mean, especially given how little they saw from him, they probably figured no big loss. So you just wave yep. him and bring on the next guy. And and obviously with Kilpatrick being waived after Jill Okafor was brought in, uh, Nick Stauskas to Brooklyn, there was a numbers game. And clearly being the odd man out in Brooklyn is not a good sign, no, uh, no matter what the circumstances. Nope. There are some, some very fringe NBA players on that Brooklyn roster, um, irrespective of, you know, 
Okafor and Stask is coming over. So I think, first off, we need to calibrate um, expectations here. I mean, Sean Kilpatrick was not released because he's this diamond in a rough and, you know, he's a really good NBA player or, or something like that, right? I mean, I think he played well. You know, certainly last year he, he did a nice job for them. I mean, certainly against the Bucs. Uh, Jason Kidd, I think, pointed this out in his press conference that he played very well against them last year. Um, and But he struggled mightily this year in limited action. I mean, he's only a 33% career NBA three-point shooter. So it's not like he's been a guy that's really filled it up um, consistently or, or shot the lights out consistently. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, he's uh, he's a bucket getter. Um, he's a guy that has scored. He was a scorer in college, scorer in the G League, scorer um, in Brooklyn, you know, when he got time. And I think certainly that brings something to the table potentially for the Bucks. Again, not a lights-out shooter, but a guy who isn't afraid to shoot. And, you know, certainly when you look at the guys uh, on the Bucks bench, especially during this time when uh, they were dealing with all these injuries, that, that's been a big problem in that, you know, Rashad Vaughn is, has been willing to shoot um, and, and has been looking to shoot, which he has to do, I think, yes. in order to, to be of use. I mean, I thought it was interesting against that Bulls game, and they ran a, an elevator doors play for Rashad Vaughn to get him a shot, you know, where basically the screeners basically kind of come together to, to let him through and then screen uh, a guy running, and he's running up to the to the top of the key for an open look. They, they had a play um, for him late in the game for an open three-point look. Um, you know, he had opportunities in that game. They have not been bashful about getting him looks and he's not been bashful about shooting them, which, you know, shooters, I, I don't know if Rashad Vaughn is, is a, is a real certified NBA shooter, but that's a step forward for him though. Like, yeah, the, you know, in the past it'd be like, dude, <laughs> there's not many other reasons you're on the floor. Uh, right. you have to shoot those. So yeah, I would agree. That was a step forward for him. Yeah. So, so we'll see. I mean, Kilpatrick, you know, again, um, I, I'm guessing we're going to see, we're going to get a look at him. Um, Certainly, if if Tony Snell and or Matthew Delvadova and or Jet um, come back here in the next couple of days, fingers crossed that that at least one of those guys will be back in the rotation. Um, obviously, that would presumably cut into Kilpatrick's time. But I mean, let's be honest. I mean, DeAndre Liggins was seeing minutes in the first weekend uh, of the season, even yeah. when all those guys were healthy. So, um, so I would expect we will see at least a, a bit of Kilpatrick um, this, you know, in the, in the next couple of weeks. And I think the most interesting thing, you know, when you think about, again, the Bucks kind of timing these different things, I think it actually, you know, potentially uh, it can work out really interestingly because you look at some of the key dates here over the next month or so. Um, Kilpatrick's, again, his, his contract starts on December 18th. 45, if you, if you just kept him, you know, with the NBA team continuously, and I think like off days don't count. So, you know, you could stretch this out a little bit further. Um, but if you just took it at face value and just said like, you know, every day, whatever counts, um, you know, you'd be talking about 13 days uh, in December. So the rest of this month. And then if you said he had, you know, 29 total days, and you could say like January 16th or so would be the, you know, essentially the the end date on on that 29 day sort of prorated two a contract before, um, you know, you'd have to release him or I guess just send him down to the G League for the rest of the year. And that is interesting because a couple of key dates. So DeAndre Liggins, from from everything I can tell, um, doesn't have any special guarantee dates in his contract. So like everybody else who is not on a guaranteed contract, um, his deal becomes guaranteed on January 10th. At least that is my operating assumption based on kind of everything I've seen. Um, so you have that data point. So basically up until January 10th, the Bucks could waive DeAndre Liggins and not owe him money for the rest of the season. Obviously, they'd owe him for whatever he played up until then. 
And basically the midway point of the season is right around the January 10th, January 12th, something in there. So, you know, essentially you could get out of sort of the back half of that contract if you waived him. Um, and so it's important because you kind of think about like the decisions that have to happen here. So January 10th, you have to decide you want to keep DeAndre Liggins. January, mid-January, let's say you'd have to make a decision. Do you want to uh, keep Sean Kilpatrick? Do you want to, you know, waive him again? And conveniently, January 15th is the last day that you can sign a two-way contract. So in theory, if Sean Kilpatrick, let's say, like doesn't really impress, but you keep him around until, you know, right around that date, you could uh, waive him kind of like you did Jerry, Gary Payton and then sign another guy to a two-way deal and because you'd be around halfway through the season, you know, you'd have, let's say, 20, low 20 days, you know, 20, 22 days of a uh, of NBA days left on a third two-way contract. So it's kind of interesting. It's sort of like, you know, kind of like what teams do with 10-day contracts, which uh, are eligible to be signed. Teams can start to sign guys to 10-day contracts um, in January each year. And so it's kind of similar to that where you often see teams kind of cycle through guys because you can sign two 10 days before you have to be signed for the rest of the season. So you sometimes see teams kind of sign a 10 day, sign a 10 day. And then they're like, nah, we don't really want to kind of give lock a guy in for the rest of the year. Um, and so then they'll kind of maybe bring in another guy on a 10 day. And this is kind of like a new version of that in a lot of ways, except yeah. it's a longer runway because again, it's that prorated, you know, 45 day, um, type type runway. And so in theory, the bucks could be in a position where, you know, they'll have a decision to make here. Maybe if Kilpatrick looks good, if Liggins kind of doesn't necessarily do what they want. And again, he's the guy that doesn't have a guaranteed contract. Um, he would be the obvious guy if you wanted to keep Liggins or sorry, if you wanted to keep Kilpatrick for the rest of the regular season, you could waive Liggins, basically convert that two way contract that um, Kilpatrick has into a full deal in which case he has to take a regular roster spot. He takes Ligon's spot, and then you could sign another guy to a two-way contract for you know 22 NBA days or whatever it would be um, and, and go that direction. So again, a lot of different kind of ins and outs and optionalities, but I think it actually, you know, by, by essentially fast-tracking Peyton and getting him you know, sort of off the books here, um, it's actually set them up in a pretty interesting way to, to have a look at, at Kilpatrick, an extended look at Kilpatrick, um, potentially make a decision if they want to keep him they have some flexibility with Liggins and then they could even still bring on another uh 40 uh, sorry another uh two-way contract thereafter did you guys get to hear Frank's pen moving the whole time he was just scribbling new CBA notes that he can't wait to think about later tonight um yes I got nerdy cap Frank Madden out tonight. <laughs> well, so. and and shout and shout out to uh, to our buddy Ben Thompson because he was tweeting at us. I think Ben was actually looking. I don't know if he was looking in the actual CBA or what, but he was trying to figure this out because Ben was eagerly trying to figure out ways to to make sure we got rid of Gary Payton <laughs> off this roster, <laughs> which has been you know. Uh, shout out to Gary. Sorry for being crass about your livelihood, um, but uh, but yeah. It, Gary Payton not bringing a whole lot, and uh, let's just say this: even though Chris Haynes tweeted that the, the, supposedly, and this seemed like it was sourced from Jason Kidd, that you know guys were not happy to see Gary Payton leave. Um, you know, it, I, I'm I'm curious if any of them were willing to sacrifice their roster spot to keep Gary Payton on the Bucks roster. My guess is uh, nobody was willing to do that, and I'm glad no one did because 
let's be honest, he's just at this point, uh, maybe, maybe something changes down the road, but at this point he just doesn't look like a guy who's adding value to an NBA roster. No, at this point he is not an NBA player. Um, so yes, I mean, like I said, I'm excited. We got to see uh nerdy cap guy, Frank Madden come out and really explore all of those things. But I do think when you look at kind of how this is set up, I'm just really interested to see how two ways work next season. Um, because going into this year, I was trying to figure out what kind of guys you could get on two ways, how willing agents would be to sign two ways. And we all kind of thought that if you're going to sign a two way, you probably have a guarantee that all 45 of those days are going to get used up. Um, and I think we thought, oh, maybe that'll take three months. Maybe that'll take until January or February. And Teams, uh, a number of teams have ripped through those pretty quickly. Um, and as you're kind of watching all these things, I'm curious if if agents will all of a sudden start to be kind of turned off by the fact that, oh, you just want this guy for 45 days. You don't actually want to give him a long-term chance. Or maybe it's exciting because you get that guaranteed money um, that you're talking about as it gets prorated for those 45 days. You're just going to get that money because teams are going to use you up in those 45 days. And in those 45 days, that just means you have to prove that you are an NBA player. So I don't know. It's kind of the wild, wild west right now um, with two-way contracts. And I'm curious uh, to see really what way they go, how they're used in the future, and the type of players that you can get and the type of players that actually want to sign those deals. Um, so I'm just, I'm just kind of interested to see exactly how that'll go next year and what that'll look like moving forward and um, I think part of what you're explaining right now is one of those ways where I think you could game the system where you can think about maybe some non-guarantees you have on your contract or on your cap already and figure out okay well there's these three guys that we might like well let's use these two ways for their 45 days and then let's use uh, that final roster spot for non-guaranteed and then eventually kind of have a, a game of survivor to see who sticks around and then you can cut guys so i don't know it, it's all it's all fun and new and exciting um so we'll see how people do it but as i look at this situation i feel like it's very likely that they don't guarantee the rest of Ligon's contract and just say, okay, that's that's enough. Um, we've had enough of DeAndre Ligon's. We don't need that anymore. Kilpatrick, uh, he's not even really younger. He's 28 years old, so um, he is a bit advanced as well, but maybe you feel a little bit better about him in your 15th man spot as opposed to uh, DeAndre Liggins. And you could, you say, okay, sure, we'll sign you up for the rest of the year and then go out and get another two-way. So um, it should be interesting to watch play out. Um, but I guess just greater Sean Kilpatrick thoughts, 33% career three-point shooter. Again, 30, 33% three-point shooter. Um, I, I know there's some people that were saying, oh, well, this is a good signing. It's going to add some shooting. No, no, it does not. Um, let's not conflate scoring with shooting. Um, those are two two very different things. Um, he does like to score. Um, he can be pretty good at it, and especially in a bench role, he can do that. Uh, looking at his per 36 from last year, 18.9 points per 36. A uh, year before that, it was 20, 20. 20.2 uh, and 21.4 in Brooklyn specifically oh, yeah. for those 23 games. Um, so this is a guy that, that can fill it up, and having those type of guys on your bench um, can be really helpful. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm curious – you have Bledsoe, you have Brogdon, you have Middleton, you have Giannis. So if you have those four guys, I think largely we've seen Kilpatrick play on bad teams. 
and bad teams got to score somehow. So, okay, guy that can kind of fill it up, we'll give you a bunch of possessions. You can you can use a bunch of these um, and try to score, and I don't know if he'll get those same opportunities with guys as talented as that around, but certainly um, the bench units could always kind of use a kick this year, and uh, we'll see if Kilpatrick can kind of be that guy. So, um, big thing, temper your expectations on Sean Kilpatrick. Um Again, the guys that can fill it up can be exciting, but also if they're not actually that good at it. Like last year's Beasley was Beasley was very good at it. I'm not quite as sure Sean Kilpatrick is there at that level. So um, just temper the expectations a little bit, but we'll see what he can do. Um, and, heck, we might even see him in the starting lineup uh, tonight. Who, kn- who knows? Um, we don't really know how that shooting guard spot will get filled up. Um, talked to Tony Snell a little bit today. He sounded optimistic that he he thinks he's getting closer, and I don't know if that means it is tonight, and I don't know if it means it's tonight for any of those other guys because Jason Kidd did tell us that all the injured guys did practice, so Snell, Terry, Delvadova, all of them were out there practicing, so we'll see if any of them are ready to go here on Tuesday night. And Tuesday night, the Bucks have the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, always a game that, Certainly, I think we've seen Giannis looks forward to. Um, he's always ready to go up against LeBron. He's had some big nights against the Cavs. But this is a game, again, where I, as it, when they played the Bulls and Pelicans, you were disappointed in seeing them lose. I don't know if you feel that same disappointment when you see them lose to the Rockets or if you see them lose to the Cavaliers. Um, but... This is a team that could make the Bucks not look very good um, just because of the way that, obviously, LeBron James is playing this year. He's vaulted into the MVP conversation along with James Harden with the number of threes that they shoot. The fact that Derrick Rose is no longer playing consistent minutes for them, that helps out quite a bit. Um, so they they look, they look terrifying again. Um, and I don't know if I would have said that the first time the Bucks got them this year. So... That's not great, um, and makes Tuesday a scary game. The top five guys. Let me let me say this: the top six guys on the Cleveland Cavaliers in terms of their net rating. Number one, Kyle Korver, plus thirteen point two points per one hundred. <laughs> Number two, Channing Frye, plus thirteen points per one hundred. Number three, Dwayne Wade, plus eight point seven points per one hundred. Number four, Jeff Green plus 7.4 points per 100. Number five, Iman Shumpert, or as my wife likes to say, Iman Schumper. I think that's the starter's reference, but anyway. Um, <laughs> blame it on my wife, the Rockets fan. I enjoy it. Uh, plus 5.3 points per 100. Number six, Chetty Osman. Have you noticed I haven't said LeBron James yet? <laughs> I Chetty did Osmond. notice that, yes. Chetty Osman, plus 5.2 points per 100. And then finally... At number seven on the on the Cleveland Cavaliers in terms of net rating, plus four point one, LeBron James, and mainly because the the Cavs just haven't defended well at all um, since you know with with LeBron on the court, um, and and probably not a coincidence that basically their starting five is all negative, um, and again part of that probably as well because those guys had the curse of playing with Derrick Rose, who uh, reminder he's he's trash. Um, mm-hmm. he's minus 12.6 this season. Who knows? I don't know. You know, unclear if or when he might come back to the team. Um, but he obviously was a bad fit and, uh, just obviously uh, didn't work out. 
don't say bad fit because that well, would suggest bad. there would be a good fit elsewhere. Like he's just bad. Yeah, yeah he's just the Derek Rose is just not not anyway. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's interesting. So I mean, they have gotten you know, and and this isn't so much about. I mean, obviously, one thing you could say is well, LeBron is. You're saying LeBron is their seventh. No, I'm not saying LeBron is their seventh best player. I think what this underscores is that their bench units have been terrific and their bench units have been just destroying other teams' bench units. And moving Wade, I mean, we talked at the beginning of the season about how much Dwayne Wade did not make sense as a starter with Derrick Rose and, you know, sort of forcing Love into the center position. Although, to be honest, that might be the best place for Love at this point as as a starter, especially with Tristan Thompson having missed so much of the season. Um, so they're a really interesting team because they've gotten been getting great production and great you know positivity from their second units and you know normally you always think oh well you know you got to kill the Cavs when LeBron is on the bench but this year I mean to their credit these veterans have really shown life um, and breathing life into the second units and obviously some of that you know the, they're going to play with LeBron for some of that time since LeBron plays huge minutes still um, but I think it's important that you know those guys have have not been susceptible to to other teams kind of making runs on them so that's that's a really big deal and certainly you know as we watch this game um against the bucks i think that'll be interesting to watch because obviously we've talked about the bucks struggles anytime the starting five is not together and and obviously it's been a while since we've seen the bucks preferred starting five but obviously if tony snell were back that would be great then we could start to, to see the the preferred starting five again um but obviously you know with their lack of depth in particular uh even before they kind of had all these guys go out to injury you know obviously the 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 kind of bench units and and the let's just say the non-starting units because i mean obviously you still have at least a couple starters out there at all times but um but that's where the bucks have been susceptible to to really struggling where you know we've seen thon maker and deandre liggins and you know lineups like that where you know just you got just multiple guys on there who just don't do much offensively um and it'll be interesting to see i mean is that going to do the Bucks in uh, against the Cavs uh, again on Tuesday? Because certainly, if you've looked at the two teams' narratives and you know lineups that have worked and lineups that have struggled, that would be an obvious one where you would have some concern about whether the Bucks can. You know, it's one thing to try to. You know, first off, you got to try to be competitive against LeBron lineups, and then if you are suddenly, you know overmatched against the lineups when LeBron is not on the court, which again isn't a ton of time, maybe 10 minutes a game. Um, that makes the degree of difficulty all the more to the, uh, essentially to the detriment and dismay of the rest of the league, the Cavaliers figured out the most ideal use of their chess pieces. Like they figured out that, Oh, D Wade does not work with the starters. And at the start of the season, we were talking about how they were forcing a bunch of non shooters into lineups with LeBron James, which the rest of the league, yes, please, please do that. That would be great. Um, try to make the floor smaller for LeBron. We would really appreciate all of that. Well, they don't do that as much anymore. They make sure that they do space out um, the floor around LeBron, and they do get a bunch of shooters in there with him. Um, and they have moved D-Wade to coming off the bench, and Wade has taken to it. Um, and D-Wade, though, maybe he can't lead a team anymore. He can sure as hell lead a bench unit. And... He has just been taking it to teams since that move, and yeah, they are they are back to being terrifying, and that is not good for the for the rest of the league. So um, this is just a team that has figured it out. Every time I've started to, every time I've watched the Cavs in the last three weeks, uh, I just come away thinking, "Damn it, they're back to being who they are." And again, that might not be enough to beat the Warriors in the end, and, and it likely isn't, but they've certainly figured out kind of how to use all of their pieces, and 
Kevin Love is looking great, and LeBron looks like LeBron always does. And yeah, they're they're back to being really good, um, and they're they're back to being in a spot where you expect them to to kick your butt when you when you see them. Uh, so uh, not and their their defense is 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 improved all the way to what twenty fifth in the league. So that that's really <laughs> from from historically bad. It is yeah. Like, Sadly, an improvement. Um, I'd be curious. I, I should figure out the low point of the Bucks and the Cavs because even when the Bucks were 29th, the Cavs were like, I think four points per 100 possessions worse than them. And I'm, I wonder if their move from historically bad to 25th is as good, uh, or maybe even better than the Bucks move from 29th to what are they now? 20th somewhere in there. 22nd, um, I think something like that. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be curious, but yes, they, they have still 25th overall defensively, but they have improved there. So, uh, again, this is going to be another night where I think you can expect the Bucks to attempt to, to score with the other team. And well, typically doesn't work out when you're playing a LeBron, LeBron James led team. So um, we'll see if that'll be the case. Or, or a Kyle Korver led team in, in the case of, I don't know what it always feels like happens against the Bucks. Yeah. That third quarter Korver run was a killer in the BC the first time around. So we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see if the Bucks can stay in it. And I guess interestingly enough, we'll see what the Bucks do with their lineup. Are some of those guys that were injured back? Um, do any of them play on Tuesday night? Does Sean Kilpatrick uh, step into the starting lineup for DeAndre Liggins? Uh, does he play more than DeAndre Liggins? Um, a lot of questions to be answered. Um, what, what is what, what would be your best guess? Part of me feels like Kid will start Liggins just as like an FU to, to us. Um, but uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, not, nothing would would really surprise me. But what what if you had to guess? The only thing I feel the only thing I know for sure is that Malcolm Brogdon will not start at shooting guard. Yes. Um, pretty much. I don't think Sean Kilpatrick will start just because he's like barely been here. But pretty much anything else would not surprise me. Liggins would not shock me. Sterling Brown would not shock me. Rashad Vaughn would not shock me. I think Sterling Brown would be, you know, as uh, now that we are like the official Sterling Brown podcast, um, <laughs> that would be like my my preferred thing. But uh, but I don't know. Did you do you have like a oh uh, would, a, spi- a spite something? start was not out of the question in my mind. I, I that was definitely something I had thought about. Um, something I fear seeing. Um, so maybe that'll be it, but I think it, you might just keep it the same with Liggins, and then um, you can put Kilpatrick in that role that I think most people kind of foresee him in, coming off the bench and trying to score some points. So um, that would be my prediction, but I don't feel very confident in it because, like you said, just about anything can happen. So uh, we'll see what it is tonight. By, by the way, can I can I add can I add one more thing? I, I was just looking last fifteen games, so I, I tried to kind of pick you know like a stretch string here where the Cavs have been hot. Um, Cavs defense has been 16th second rated offense in the league. So, you know, basically going from historically terrible to eh, average. Um, and again, if you are a lights out offense, like they have been, uh, you you don't need, yeah, you don't need to be much better than, than average, especially when, you know, you've got LeBron that you can just rely on to kind of close teams out. So, um, so that's positive. And by the way, one other thing I just uh, like just circling back to earlier conversation, just because in, 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 I don't even know if anybody would even a- ask me about this. Um, but on the whole Toledovich and the, you know, 
if he had to retire, thing like that. You have to wait a year to do that from when the guy last plays. Um, so the whole assumption would be not that you would like, oh, suddenly have a bunch of cap space during the summer, but that you could potentially, you could get that, um, basically that, that would help you potentially in your luxury tax in 2019, 2018, 19, um, if he was declared, you know, medically retired, um, in, you know, next fall basically. So anyway, again, not to, not to in any way suggest that that is like a, a good outcome, for, for anyone, but um, just wanted to kind of clarify that. So not, I don't want people to think, oh, going in the summer, we need to get Toledovich, you know, declared medically retired, and then we're going to go be able to spend a ton of money on a, you know, free agent. That that's definitely not the case. It's really even if it even if they did wipe him off the books in the summer, it's really more about creating flexibility around the luxury tax, not so much like creating you know a bunch of tax room that or sorry a bunch of cap room that you're going to be able to use. All right, um, I think that should be it for us for tonight. We covered all of those kind of roster things that we want to talk about. We gave you a Cavaliers preview, and we will be back tomorrow with a Cavaliers recap. We will record after the game and throw it up on when i guess that's wednesday morning uh late tuesday night um for frank madden i'm eric name this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow